Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode and today it's going to be a series so this is part one of two. I think there will be only two parts but we'll see if there's a lot of material I might have a third part. But before we get started let's have a word of prayer so the Lord will be with us as we read and study and see what he has to tell us straight from his own words and not from our own. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Thank you for health and healing and for the truth, the light of your word that you've given us. Lord, we thank you and praise you for all that you have done and are doing and will continue to do for us. Help us to prepare our hearts and our minds. Help us to not be deceived by all that is going around us with all of the lies that people try to fill our minds with. Help us to study to show ourselves approved. Help us to know so that we can answer if anyone asks us so that we can tell them the truth and only the truth. Lord, I thank you so much for the home that you are preparing for us in heaven. Help us to be ever ready for it. We know that a lot of craziness is happening in the world and we want to be ready for your soon coming. So with all of this, we ask all these things in your precious, holy, wonderful son's name. Amen. All right, today is a very important topic and a lot of people are actually really confused about this and there's a lot of debate going on. But we want to know right from the Bible and right from the spirit of prophecy what the truth is because it is from the Lord's own mouth that he reveals the secrets and the truths. And while we might not comprehend everything with our human mind, we can take the rest by faith and we can ask any question in heaven when we get there. All we have to do is accept what we are told by faith and believe it and leave the rest in the Lord's hands. So what is this thing that I am talking about? Well, Many people refer to it as the mystery of godliness. And this is part of the mystery of godliness. I want to get into this before I get into the other part, which will be part two. This is the part that many people don't understand. They believe that at some point in time, way before earth was created, that Christ was brought forth out of the Father and created almost. They say it's not creation, but it is because if you aren't existing at one period of time and become a part of it, then you were created. So I don't know how they get to that point because that's really confusing to me. I mean, after all, if you're not there at one point and then you are, that is creation. And we'll get into that in a little bit because Christ was not created. And so they believe that Christ was brought forth out of the Father some point so far back in eternity that to us there was no beginning. And this is just confusion. And I'll tell you where they get this from. There's a few verses in the Bible that bring confusion when you first read it. It makes it seem like it's the case, but it is not. And let us get into these verses right away and actually pick apart and see what they mean because there is an explanation. We just have to be willing to dig and search for it. And let me tell you, the truth is so much more clear than what the devil would have you believe. So let's get into these verses. Proverbs 2, 7. It says, I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. And Proverbs 8, 22 through 30 says, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from the beginning or ever the earth was. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there was no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills was, I was brought forth. While as yet,
yet he had not made the earth nor the fields nor the highest part of the dust of the world when he prepared the heavens i was there when he set a compass upon the face of the depth when he established the clouds above when he strengthened the fountains of the deep when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment when he appointed the foundations of the earth then i was by him as one brought up with him and i was daily his delight rejoicing always before him okay these verses bring in some confusion because it says that he was brought forth and that he was begotten but what does it really mean to be brought forth well we are given an in-depth explanation but if you want to go and search the greek definition you can but brought forth in this context actually means anointed for a special purpose and that purpose is revealed to us in the story of redemption and i'm going to read what the lord told us about this occasion it gives in great detail the event that happened when he meaning jesus was brought forth and selected for what we now know as the plan of salvation and redemption she says this lucifer in heaven before his rebellion was a high and exalted angel next in honor to god's dear son his countenance like those of the other angels was mild and expressive of happiness his forehead was high and broad showing a powerful intellect his form was perfect his bearing noble and majestic a special light beamed in his countenance and shone around him brighter and more beautiful than around the other angels yet christ god's dear son had the preeminence over all the angelic host he was one with the father before the angels were created lucifer was envious of christ and gradually assumed command which devolved on christ alone the great creator assembled the heavenly hosts that he might in the presence of all the angels confer special honor upon his son the son was seated on the throne with the father and the heavenly throng of holy angels were gathered around them the father then made known that it was ordained by himself that christ his son should be equal with himself so that wherever was the presence of the son it was as his own presence the word of the son was to be obeyed as readily as the word of the father his son he had invested with authority to command the heavenly hosts especially was his son to work in union with himself in the anticipated creation of the earth and every living thing that should exist upon the earth his son would carry out his will and his purposes but would do nothing of himself alone the father's will would be fulfilled in him lucifer was envious and jealous of jesus christ yet when all the angels bowed to jesus to acknowledge his supremacy and high authority and rightful rule he bowed with them but his heart was filled with envy and hatred christ had been taken into the special counsel of god in regard to his plans while lucifer was unacquainted with them he did not understand neither was he permitted to know the purposes of god but christ was acknowledged sovereign of heaven his power and authority to be the same as that of god himself lucifer thought that he was himself a favorite in heaven among the angels he had been highly exalted but this did not call forth from him gratitude and praise to his creator he aspired to the height of god himself he gloried in his loftiness he knew that he was honored by the angels he had a special mission to execute he had been near the great creator and the ceaseless beams of glorious light enshrouding the eternal god had shone especially upon him he thought how angels had obeyed his command with pleasurable alacrity were not his garments light and beautiful why should christ thus be honored before himself so here we have the first scene set before us the father and christ gather the angels together and declare this decree to tell them of what is going on and what is happening and what 
Christ's rule and position is in heaven. And he did this for a special reason, not only to tell them and let them all know, but for us later on to know. And many people are confused about it because if Christ was with the Father before and he wasn't brought forth at some point in time in eternity, then why is he called his son? We'll get into that in a little bit. But let's get back to this because the angels knew themselves what Christ was and that he was equal with God himself and that he was there before anything or anyone was created. And this is what it gets into next. Angels that were loyal and true sought to reconcile this mighty rebellious angel to the will of his creator. They justified the act of God in conferring honor upon Christ and with forcible reasoning sought to convince Lucifer that no less honor was his now than before the father had proclaimed the honor which he had conferred upon his son. They clearly set forth that Christ was the son of God existing with him before the angels were created and that he had ever stood at the right hand of God and his mild loving authority had not heretofore been questioned and that he had given no commands but what it was joy for the heavenly host to execute. They urged that Christ receiving special honor from the father and the presence of the angels did not detract from the honor that Lucifer had heretofore received. The angels wept. They anxiously sought to move him to renounce his wicked design and yield submission to their creator. For all had heretofore been peace and harmony. And what could occasion this dissenting rebellious voice? Lucifer refused to listen and then he turned from the loyal and true angels, denouncing them as slaves. These angels, true to God, stood in amazement as they saw that Lucifer was successful in his effort to incite rebellion. He promised them a new and better government than they then had, in which all would be freedom. Great numbers signified their purpose to accept him as their leader and chief commander. As he saw his advances were met with success, he flattered himself that he should yet have all the angels on his side, and that he would be equal with God himself, and his voice of authority would be heard in commanding the entire host of heaven. Again, the loyal angels warned him and assured him what must be the consequences if he persisted, that he who could create the angels could by his power overturn all their authority and in some signal manner punish their audacity and terrible rebellion. To think that an angel should resist the law of God, which was as sacred as himself. They warned the rebellious to close their ears to Lucifer's deceptive reasonings and advised him and all who had been affected by him to go to God and confess their wrong for even admitting a thought of questioning his authority. Many of Lucifer's sympathizers were inclined to heed the counsel of the loyal angels and repent of their dissatisfaction and be again received to the confidence of the father and his dear son. The mighty revolter then declared that he was acquainted with God's law and if he should submit to servile obedience, his honor would be taken away from him. No more would he be entrusted with his exalted mission. He told them that himself and they also had now gone too far to go back and he would brave the consequences for to bow in servile worship to the son of God he never would. That God would not forgive and now they must assist their liberty and gain by force the position and authority which was not willingly accorded to them. Thus it was that Lucifer the light bearer, the sharer of God's glory, the attendant of his throne by transgression became Satan the adversary. So this is a lot to take in and it's really interesting 
happening that we get such a clear sense of what happened behind the scenes before the world earth was created and here we are told that because Lucifer was jealous and because he did not want to admit that Christ was above him and that he was equal with God himself that he was led into this course of action so we must be very careful in saying that we do not believe that Christ is equal with God himself and that he had a beginning and that all of these things because it is saying that he is like lower than the father it is not so they are equal they are one and the same which we will get into more right now and these quotes are very clear in saying for a fact that Jesus was with the father and had no beginning so let's get into these this is from signs of the times august 29th 1900 paragraph 12 through 16 it says then said the jews unto him thou art not yet 50 years old and hast thou seen abraham verily verily i say unto you jesus answered before abraham was i am then took they up stones to cast at him but jesus hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by their eyes were blinded that they might not see him before abraham was i am christ is the pre-existent self-existent son of god the message he gave to moses to give to the children of israel was thus shalt thou say unto the children of israel i am hath sent me unto you the prophet micah writes of him be thou bethlehem ephrata though thou be little among the thousands of judah yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in israel whose goings forth have been from of old from everlasting through solomon christ declared the lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old i was set up from everlasting from the beginning or ever the earth was when there were no depths i was brought forth when there were no fountains abounding with water before the mountains were settled before the hills was i brought forth when he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment when he appointed the foundations of the earth then i was by him as one brought up with him and i was daily his delight rejoicing always before him in speaking of his pre-existence christ carries the mind back through dateless ages he assures us that there never was a time when he was not in close fellowship with the eternal god he to whose voice the jews were then listening had been with god as one brought up with him christ's words were spoken with a quiet dignity and with an assurance and power that sent convictions to the hearts of the scribes and pharisees they felt the power of the message sent from heaven god was knocking at the door of their hearts entreating entrance but they refused to listen by their persistent rejection of warnings and invitations they caused him to abandon them to their blindness and its results satan was working with all his power to secure them in his cause and under his control they developed a stubbornness which brought upon them their ruin this is really amazing these few paragraphs because they are so clear there never was a time when christ was not in close fellowship with the eternal god throughout eternity from everlasting to everlasting he is the alpha and the omega they were together forever as one now can we understand why he is called the son of god since he had no beginning no that is something our human minds can't comprehend but we can accept it by faith and learn more about it in heaven and see if we can wrap our minds around it there but this on earth we cannot 
comprehend it because we think, oh, you have to have a beginning. You have to have a mother and a father. If you are calling them father or son, then they must have had a beginning at some point in time. But that's not the case. And it doesn't have to be the case because he is God. And it is part of the mystery of godliness, which we do not understand at this point in time. But we can accept it by faith. And I want to repeat this because it's so important. Christ is the pre-existent, self-existent son of God. In speaking of his pre-existence, Christ carries the mind back through the dateless ages. He assures us that he was in close fellowship with Christ and that there was never a time when he was not with him. This is amazing to me. He was equal with God, infinite and omnipotent. He is the eternal self-existent son. Manuscript 101-1897. So here again we are told he is equal with God, infinite, omnipotent. He is eternal and self-existent. So he didn't have a beginning and he's from everlasting. Review and Herald, April 5, 1906 says, While God's word speaks of the humanity of Christ when upon this earth, it also speaks decidedly regarding his pre-existence. The word existed as a divine being, even as the eternal son of God in union and oneness with his father. From everlasting, he was the mediator of the covenant, the one in whom all nations of the earth, both Jews and Gentiles, if they accepted him, were to be blessed. The word was with God and the word was God. Before men or angels were created, the word was with God and was God. The Bible is very clear. John chapter 1 tells us these things and that's where you can find in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Go read that chapter for yourselves. It is so clear that we do not have to be left wondering about this and we cannot even take those verses out of context. So when it is talking about he was brought forth and he was declared his son, it was the father letting us know how close of a relationship that they had with each other. And he was making it very clear to us humans to understand that this is their relationship. They are close, but they were still separate people and they still were self-existent and that they were both equal and they were both God and they they are needing to be listened to and reckoned with and worshipped and obeyed and that Christ was with him forever and that the Father anointed him for a special purpose and that purpose was to save us from our sins. And I'm so thankful that he was sent to save us from our sins. She continues in Signs of the Times, May 3rd, 1899. Christ shows them that although they might reckon his life to be less than 50 years, Yet his divine life could not be reckoned by human computation. The existence of Christ before his incarnation is not measured by figures. And then this is really an amazing quote. The Desire of Ages, page 530, says this. Life original, unborrowed, underived. Jesus declared, I am the resurrection and the life. In Christ is life original, unborrowed, underived. He that hath the Son hath life. The divinity of Christ is the believer's assurance of eternal life. So here we must believe that Jesus has life unborrowed if we 
ourselves want to have eternal life. This is very clear language. We have to understand, we have to grasp our mind around it in whatever way that we can and accept it because we are told this and it is an amazing thing to comprehend and to think about and we will forever be learning about it. But this is one of the great mysteries of godliness that we'll spend all of eternity learning about, which I've said before and we'll say again. And here is more from the truth about angels. This is what she says, and this is page 23.1 to 24.3. Before men or angels were created, the word was with God and was God. The world was made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. If Christ made all things, he existed before all things. The words spoken in regard to this are so decisive that no one need be left in doubt. Christ was God essentially, and in the highest sense, he was with God from all eternity, God overall, blessed forevermore. The Lord Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God, existed from eternity a distinct person, yet one with the Father. He was the surpassing glory of heaven. He was the commander of the heavenly intelligences, and the adoring homage of the angels was received by him as his right. Through Solomon, Christ declared, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way. Before his works of old, I was set up from everlasting from the beginning, or ever the earth was. When he gave to the sea his decree that the water should not pass his commandment, when he he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. In speaking of his pre-existence, Christ carries the mind back through dateless ages. He assures us that there never was a time when he was not in close fellowship with the eternal God. He has been with God as one brought up with him. What is the work of angels in comparison with his, meaning Christ's, condescension? His throne is from everlasting. He has reared every arch and pillar in nature's great temple. Christ, the Word, the only begotten of God, was one with the Eternal Father, one in nature, in character, and in purpose. The only being in all the universe that could enter into the counsels and purposes of God. Again, very clear language. And she explains Proverbs 8 through these verses. He was set up for a time. He was the Lord. He was with him from everlasting. He was not brought forth at some point in time in eternity past. No, he was with the Lord forever and there was never a time when he wasn't with him. And she repeats that in this quote again. And even if it was only in one quote, that would be enough because the Lord wanted it to be very clear and very understandable for us. He wanted there to be no mistake about his pre-existence because if you start to doubt his pre-existence and you set him on a lower peg, you are basically saying, he is not God because he is equal with God. Therefore, he cannot be created. A creature cannot perform creation. We cannot speak things into existence. Christ is God, so therefore he can create everything and he did create everything that we know of today. He was there before the angels and the other worlds were created. He was there before we were created and he had no beginning and no ending just like the Father did. And next week I am going to get into about the Holy Spirit and the confusion about that. And what does the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy have to say about who 
the Holy Spirit is, what his place is, and how important his role is. And this is very important because a lot of people have misconceptions about the Holy Spirit and about the pre-existence of Christ. So it's very important that we know these things and we can explain these things and tell for a fact and proof from the Bible and the spirit of prophecy that Christ was with the Lord from all eternity and that we can also prove what the Holy Spirit's part in all of this isn't. I don't want to give too much away, but tune in next week for part two of that and know for a fact and without a shadow of doubt what his position and role is. And let me tell you, it is amazing. All of this is amazing. And it is such a great study to do for yourself, to search it out and read all of the quotes and to put it all together. The the study is just mind-blowing. And I highly encourage you to do it for yourself. And keep in mind what all of these quotes had to say. He loves us so much that he was willing to give up all of the divinity that he had, the gifts that he had, to be with us, to be a sacrifice for us. And he was a commander of everything. He was God. And we cannot even comprehend the sacrifice that he made for us. And throughout all eternity, we will realize more and more of the sacrifice sacrifice that he did for us and our hearts will be bound further together with him in love and that is so amazing to think about and we should contemplate that a lot every single day of our lives we should thank the Lord for the sacrifice that he gave to us and for the things that he did while he was here and for dying on the cross for us we should spend a thoughtful hour upon the scenes of the life of Christ and then his death and we need not be left in any doubt about what Christ's position and role is in our life. We are told in such clear language, and she herself says this, that we do not need to have any doubt in regards to this. And it's amazing to me to know that the Lord loves us so much that he doesn't want us to be in darkness. He wants to shine that light upon us if we are willing to search the truth, if we are willing to accept the truth by faith and believe in him. And Jesus says the very same thing, blessed are they who believe and have not seen. So these are one of those things that we must accept by faith and be able to explain. Even the angels themselves were able to explain the role of Christ and how he was there throughout all eternity, how he created them, how he deserved the reverence and the honor that God bestowed upon him. And the father was just making it clear to all of the angels when they were created that, hey, this is my son. You need to worship him. You need to respect him because he has been with me forever and he is just as important as I am. And we are one in the same. If you obey me, obey him. And this was basically a declaration to set things straight so that they could all know for certainty what was going on. And for us to know in later days that this was what the father wanted to be made very clear that they were equals and should be treated as such. And it is amazing to think that they work together in harmony and are in one mind and one purpose and everything is so that they don't ever argue, that they don't ever have any problems with each other. And of course, we can understand that because we always think that there has to be dissension. There always has to be arguing. But no, not with this, not with them. They know, they agree. They are of one mind. They think alike. They agree alike. They know what they want and they have no problems. And as we get into heaven and we learn more about it, we will see for ourselves how they work together and how they operate together 
together. And it's so amazing to think about that I can't wait to see it for myself and I want to be there so I can see it for myself and see how they interact and talk with one another and how the universe is ran by them. And when you get that veil off of your eyes and you see the world that goes on behind the scenes, it is incredible. I have always loved the story of how the world began and how it was behind the scenes and how it is. And I still like behind the scenes looking and it's like you get a peek into what goes on in heaven and what is taking place now and what took place in the past and what will take place in the future. And these are just glimpses of what took place. But imagine getting to see it up close and personal. It's unimaginable, but very exciting. And I hope that you really study this out for yourselves further. Take all of these Bible verses, do your own study, get all of these quotes that I read for you, look them up for yourselves and read them. The Bible is in complete harmony with the spirit of prophecy. If it wasn't, we wouldn't be listening to it. But the Lord would not change his mind. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. So if it is in the Bible and it's in the spirit of prophecy, we must pay close attention to it and believe it and teach it because people are teaching error right now about this very thing. And unfortunately, they don't understand what they're doing and they don't realize the damage that it can cause. Satan himself fell away because he wouldn't agree and wouldn't put down his stubbornness about this subject. And that was just part of it, I know, but he had a lot of things going on. But it was part of the catalyst that threw him out of heaven because he didn't want to confer honor where honor belonged. And Christ deserves all of the honor, all of the respect as the Father has. And we will get into how the Holy Spirit and what his role is in the how we should talk about him and how he is involved in the Godhead. And that'll be a very interesting study. So you'll want to tune in next week. So I thought this song fit really well with this. And it's talking about the great immortal God and how we need to praise and worship him. It's called Immortal Invisible. Immortal Invisible God only wise In light inaccessible Hide from my Arise, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise, unresting, unhastening, and silent as light, nor wanting, nor wasting, thou rulest in might, thy justice like mountains high, soaring above, Thy clouds, which are fountains of goodness and love, to all life thou givest, to both great and small. In all life thou livest, the true life of all. We blossom and flourish as leaves on the tree, and wither and perish, but not changeth thee. Great Father of glory, pure Father of light. Thine angels adore thee, all veiling their sight. All Lord, we would render, oh, help us to see. Tis only the splendor of light hideth thee. Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light inaccessible, hide from our eyes. Most blessed, most glorious, the ancient 
victorious, thy great name we praise. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to praise the ancient of days and the father of light because that's what they are. They gave us life, love, health, the world that we live in, everything that we know of today is because of them. And we wouldn't be here if it wasn't. So we need to be careful in how we regard them and how we treat them and how we talk about them. They are holy, holy, holy. And we need to treat them as such and speak in reverence and awe. Angels veil their faces when speaking their name and we should be just as reverent just as holy when we talk of them and praise them and search out the mysteries of heaven we need their help we need to be able to go to them for everything because they love us and they want us to they want us to come to them for everything and to seek out the truth otherwise they wouldn't have inspired the writers of the bible and ellen white to write what she wrote and to tell us the truth of what's going on and what is to come and how we can prepare for the events that are soon to unfold and how we can be better people and how we can live in a world that has none of the wickedness that we know of today. And I long to be there and I hope that you do as well. Remember in Matthew 5 16 it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. So when you know the truth, go out and share it with others. And with all of this being said, let your light so shine so that you are a star witness for the Lord.